Welcome to The Topic on HCC TV. This is a show where we highlight Houston Community College, our students, our programs, and our reach into the community. Glad to have you with us. If you're watching us on HCC TV, make sure you jump on over to social media, find us on Facebook. You can follow us on Facebook, but most importantly, find us on YouTube, Houston Community College, Click the uh, subscribe button. That way you can know when we have new shows posted like this one. You can also download the audio versions of all of our shows on our podcasts by going to hccs.edu slash podcast. We've got a great show lined up for you talking about our fine arts program. You know, it seems like we've spent, uh, I don't know, eight or nine months now in quarantine. And many of us have gained a new, fresh appreciation for actors, musicians, artists, and technical craftspeople who create our entertainment. Dean Colleen Riley joins us right now to tell us about the Visual and Performing Arts Center of Excellence here at Houston Community College. Dean Riley, welcome back to the show. Good to see you again. Nice to see you. Thank you for having me. I've got to ask you right off the top, you know, we're living in a different world right now where we're having to uh, work virtually, remotely in many cases. And I imagine your students are not only having to learn in a world where many of most of their instruction is online, but they're having to learn new ways of presenting uh, their productions as well. They are. Um, they've been working really closely with the faculty. Um, I think as you look across our industries, you know, it's been a huge learning curve for everyone, but any creative process has a period of development. So I think that uh, this past year has given all of our disciplines, art, dance, drama, music, um, audio recording technology, filmmaking, you know, an opportunity to step back from the way things that we, uh, we've approached things um, and look for new ways to connect with our audiences. You know, I know um, before COVID that your department is very, very big with getting students to get involved with Instagram and to feature their work out there, whether it be Facebook or YouTube to create the videos. Um, but now it seems like that's much more important because it's become a way of life if you're in the performing arts. It is. Uh, you know, this time of year, time of any semester, um, we are... Uh, blocking out the calendar for exhibitions and performances across HCC. Um, we've always had a strong social media presence, uh, but that's always been a complement to our in-person events. Um, and I think now those things are reversed and we're really relying on social media and HCC media for um, the broadcast of our students' performances and exhibitions. Tell folks first um, what your, you, your center of excellence has a number of disciplines and programs. Maybe you can talk about a few of those and then we'll get into the specifics about certifications and degrees. Sure, absolutely. So there are seven programs in uh, the Center of Excellence for Visual and Performing Arts. Uh, we have our fine arts, art, dance, drama, music, and our media arts. Uh, we have filmmaking, audio recording technology, and music business. Um, these seven programs have just come together for the first time in the past year. So along with all of the changes that have come with COVID, uh, it's really created a lot of opportunities for our programs to uh, learn about each other and collaborate. So we have our 
audio recording technology students being a huge support to our music program at the moment. They're gaining a lot of professional experience and making a lot of really good uh, recommendations. Um, filmmaking uh, is also collaborating with the other programs. So we're seeing a lot of crossover between our fine arts and media arts this year. And that's really uh, what I guess HCC is all about, even before all this happened, is getting departments to, to cross over and help each other. I know one of the best examples we had, and I think we worked with your department, was on uh, something that was being done for the art car parade. Of course, that's kind of went by the wayside this year. Oh, no, no, it hasn't. It hasn't. It's, uh, we're, we're getting it ready for April oh, 2021, so good. stay tuned. But that was a collaborative effort where your department worked with the science department and, you know, uh, you know, all across architecture, all across HCC to, to put together this vehicle. Yeah, well, you know, we really think of HCC as a STEAM institution. So it's very important for us that the arts have the same kind of platform that we see for the sciences and technologies and the humanities. Um, you really uh, can't accomplish much without us. And so we're happy to be part of all of those conversations. For someone looking to get an education in fine arts, can you just get a certification and get employment? And uh, does it take a two-year degree, maybe moving on to a four-year degree? And I know we have partnerships there as well. There's a lot of avenues, a lot of pathways that our programs create. We have very conventional pathways into four-year schools with our art, dance, drama, and music programs. So you can earn your associate's degree at HCC and then transfer to a four-year school. One thing I'm very proud about is that our freshman and sophomores um, have the same kinds of opportunities as juniors and seniors have in those four years programs. So uh, our students exhibit their artwork every semester, our uh, musicians are performing, um, our dance uh, performers are doing choreography and they're giving recitals. We've got a fantastic drama production team. So there's a lot of professional experience that comes in the preparation for the audition and entry into the four-year schools. Um, and then we're also building associate's degrees um, across our filmmaking, our audio recording technology, and music business. Um, so those are very conventional avenues, but you can also come in and take courses and really gain some skills, work with working professionals and teaching artists across our COE, our Center of Excellence, um, and uh, enter into the workforce or or uh, complete a creative project or, uh, you know, we're, we're here to support the community and we really want to uh, engage everyone with the arts. What are the feelings you're getting from students now, not just the online learning, because that's something we can learn to deal with, but going out into the job market right now when things are a bit uneasy, especially going into a fine arts career, what are some of the feelings, some of the things you've heard from students uh, setting out to do that? Well, you know, I think it's been a big year of change for everyone. I think that our students, you know, initially there was some some grieving that went on for, um, you know, we were just coming up to the end of our spring semester where our students were just about to open their spring shows, uh, that all of the work of the semester had gone into that preparation. So there was grief at the end of the spring semester that we weren't able to culminate a lot of those projects. 
Um, and we found some ways to, you know, create versions of those, uh, but we've really been able to do that from a much different perspective for the fall, where the students could come in um, and really bring their ideas and their experiences into the creation of their work over the course of the semester. So I think they're much better prepared to go into the workforce um, within this environment of, you know, using our technologies, thinking about how to support creative projects, um, thinking about how to, you know, multitask across a gig economy. Uh, so I think that there's um, a lot of excitement and I really, uh, you know, I, I applaud the faculty for creating such a supportive environment and really keeping the students motivated and engaged. They've just been absolutely amazing. I know at the end of last semester, like you mentioned, you had a lot of uh, student exhibitions, concerts, performances, screenings that were going to happen, but those all went online and uh, you were able to at least get them out there for more of a targeted audience and really anyone can, could get a chance to see it. Yeah, well, well we're doing that again. Um, we have our uh, visual arts student exhibition on Instagram again this semester um, and hopefully we'll be able to have uh, some in-person exhibitions in the next calendar year uh, because it's very important for us for those students to be showing their art. Um, and uh, we have concerts and recitals and performances that we've also taken online um, through YouTube. Uh, we did run into a few uh, copyright considerations. So we moved some of those um, yeah. uh, broadcast over to our EduTube channel. Um, so if anyone needs access to that, they can contact me and I can assist. We'll also put uh, pertinent links in the social media post for this show as well. Colleen Riley, thank you for joining us on the show today and uh, enlightening us on everything that's going on in the fine arts program. We wish you the best of luck and stay safe. Thank you. You too. When we come back here on the topic, we're going to be talking about drama in the classroom, not the kind of drama you, you hear about and gossiping. Drama, studying drama. How did they carry on with drama here at HCC? We're going to give you a taste of that coming up here at the topic. Stay tuned. 150 over 90. 180 over 111. 160 over 110. I had a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. Lowering them could save you from having a stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. Now I'm, you know, trying to get better, stronger than ever. There was an old woman who lived in a shoe. She had so many children, she didn't know what to do. She gave them some broth without any bread and kissed them all soundly and put them to bed. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. That one day at PE when they were like yelling at me and then you just linked arms with me, I don't think you know how much like that helped me. I finally like knew that I had somebody. I love teaching at HCC. I love helping students. With college credits. With scholarships and financial aid. Training them for life-changing careers. Come learn with us. HCC, for everyone, anytime, any way. 
Welcome back to The Topic. I'm Todd Duplantis. You may be watching this show on HCC TV, but make sure you jump on over to social media. Find us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and download all the audio versions of our shows, the podcast. You can download them at hccs.edu slash podcast. You know, it's said that uh, Shakespeare once said that all the world's a stage. Actually, I first heard it in a Rush song when that shows you how old I am. It wasn't Shakespeare. I heard about it in a Rush song. I'm going to ask Michael the same question. Michael, you've, I'm sure you're familiar with the song. Sure, I've heard it. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We're talking with Michael Flanagan, uh, drama instructor at, here at HCC. And uh, Michael, you've got a new book out uh, called All the Classrooms, A Stage. Was this something you had in works, uh, obviously, some time before COVID hit? And maybe you can tell us a bit about that. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's been in the work for quite a while. My writing partner, Rose Burnett Bonsek, and I uh, had the idea about four years ago. Um, and started putting together all the steps that you do to get it uh, published. And we're fortunate enough to get, get it picked up to be published. Um, and it, it's a, the, the central idea of it is that it's using theater concepts and philosophies in classrooms that aren't necessarily theater classrooms. Um, so we're taking improvisation ideas like yes and, or the, the same techniques that a director uses in a rehearsal or the actor, the acting skills an actor would use and applying it to non-theater classrooms on the college level. Um, and it keeps students engaged in regular classroom activities, but also homework and test taking and group work. Um, and it helps to keep teachers more engaged in their work. Um, and the, the back and forth between teachers and students tends to improve when we apply a lot of these concepts. I imagine this could also be uh, the key word, and uh, Dr. Riley mentioned it before, was STEAM. And I imagine it could be used across the board in teaching these classes, not just humanity classes, but as you mentioned, ones that would fall under the STEAM category. Sure. We, we use lots of examples in the book and try to cover as much as we can in all different areas of education. Um, some of them might seem a little bit more straightforward, like English or speech or history. Um, but the sciences, math courses, other courses along those lines where it might not be such an obvious connection, um, it works just as well in those and the techniques we're using. I think the, the biggest challenge that we've been presented when, we, when we've talked about it and we've presented the book is time. People always say, I don't have enough time to add this to my lesson. I don't have enough time to do this in the classroom. But what we find is when you kind of run a class similar to a rehearsal or use these theater techniques in the classroom, um, you go from kind of those class discussions that are sometimes like pulling teeth to a very engaged kind of creative environment where everybody's willing to try things and, and be wrong and learn from that. Um, and they feel safe in the classroom, even if things don't turn out the way they think they will. From a student's perspective, what type of skills or things they may have learned from, from this method of teaching that they could take that experience into the workforce and in their future? It's really similar to, to skills that theater people use when they don't go into theater. Um, the, the students who go into the workforce can learn from things like trust, trusting yourself, trusting others, um, and apply it to any career path that they're on. Um, conquering fear is a big part of this book and a big part of acting training yeah. and how to kind of relax into how to get over the, get out of your head and stop being afraid. And that can be applied to all corners of the job market, whether it's a job interview or speaking up at work or trusting yourself that you can do the job that you're given. Um, and the, the idea that um, you 
are a collaborator, that you're working together with diverse populations and, and from different countries sometimes and different genders and backgrounds, and you kind of learn those collaborative skills and apply them in whatever field you're going into. Let me ask you this. Um, you know, we're working in a, a somewhat of a new medium with um, working online remotely and working on somewhat of a small television screen. When you're in theater, you have the stage, you project, You've got the lights, you've got a place to go stand, you're blocking with other actors. How do you translate that into a, a virtual world um, with what you're doing right now? It's a good question. And uh, we have sections of the book that now, because we, we got uh, published, they decided to go forward and publish in the midst of all this. And we kind of said, you know, our entire book is about classroom activities. And uh, we developed a website that you can get to from the book that kind of translates all this stuff to uh, online learning and WebEx and Zoom. One of the things that the drama department has been doing and discussing at our various meetings about how we're kind of taking these classes and, and converting them online is how much you can get done um, in an online environment like WebEx. It's just kind of coming up with the concept of how do I translate the stage to a WebEx window and still yeah. communicate all those factors? How can I use my space rather than just kind of be a floating head like I am now for a performance, how can I get up and move around and use a prop and use an entrance or an exit from left or right and go upstage and away from the camera and toward it to enhance the performances and the work that I'm doing that will, beginning next year when we're all back in person sometime, translate to a stage or a rehearsal room. You know, sometimes I find that sometimes having to do things in desperation sparks creativity. Is that what you found with uh, what your, some of your students are coming up with, with new ways of doing things? Sure. I mean, part of teaching drama, specifically acting, um, is to try and avoid that feeling of desperation. So I, I think a lot of the desperation is on my end and putting together how to communicate the lesson and make it happen so that they can kind of relax again and, and kind of drift into it and then start learning and applying and working. Um, and what we found, all of us, I think, in doing that is it's not only possible, but we have excelled at doing it. It's just um, a lot of planning in advance, thinking, you know, normally on whatever date, November 15th, I would be teaching this lesson in a room and we'd be talking together. And now we're going to do it this way. What can I apply? What books can I go back to and read up on and take new ideas and apply them? Who can I talk to? Theater people are collaborative people. So it's, you know, conversations and questions and ideas. I know uh, HCC TV helped you guys with uh, one of your productions you launched online uh, back in, I believe it was May. Um, and when it was, it was kind of uh, ironic at the time when I was presented the idea, um, I had just that weekend watched my nephew's production for the Keller High School in Texas. And they said, we want to do this. And I'm like, you know what? I just watched one of those the other day. And now it's become the norm to do these productions online. But that was kind of our first, uh, you know, dip into the water. And we were able to work mm -hmm. with you guys on that. But I imagine you're doing a lot of them that way. Now. Yeah. Well, thank you again for working with us on that one. That was uh, definitely jumping head first into the pool. Um, but we were able to learn from it and apply it this time. And this time it's because last semester, um, a few members of the drama faculty had been able to get their shows in under the wire. And back when we'd all sit in a, sta in a room together and stare at a stage, they were able to do it. So it was about half of us that kind of converted everything to online. This time it's all of us. Um, so it's me, Deborah Schultz, uh, Lisa Deal, and Kathy Snyder. And we came together at the beginning of the semester and talked about what can we do to give our students, the drama students, a production. 
And um, the answer is, it's called Love in 2020. Um, but the, the gist of the plan was to not try and um, do a play or a full-length play or even smaller plays that would take place um, with people in person to kind of have the, the stories we're telling be reflected by the environment that we're in, this yeah. square window, WebEx, and, and eventually broadcast on YouTube. So it's a, a collection of scenes and monologues, um, and this time sometimes written and developed by the students, um, and all of them kind of meant to be performed through WebEx or Zoom in this kind of environment and shown to people that way which has been really exciting. Well, Michael, we look forward to helping you guys out in the future. Let us know whenever you need some assistance. We're more than Absolutely. happy to jump in with you guys. Michael Flanagan from HCC's drama department. We appreciate you being here. Stay safe during this. Thanks, you too. All right, we'll look forward to seeing you in a theater again, theater again soon. <laughs> All right, stay with us here on the topic. We're going to talk with the audio technology program. That's coming up next right here on the topic. When I was in foster care, I never knew when I would have to move. So I always had my suitcase ready to go. Then one day I was adopted. My new parents opened their hearts and home to me. My parents cook my favorite breakfast for me every morning. My parents take me on trips I never thought I would go on. They gave me a home and an even better reason to use that suitcase. My parents aren't perfect, but they're perfect for me. It takes less than one minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. You can do it here. But I get it, you're busy. And busy people can't have prediabetes. Oh, I read that wrong. They can, okay. Just go to the site. Hey Bobo, do trees tell each other stories? I'm sorry, I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, why don't we go find out? Listen. Do clouds take naps? I couldn't tell you. Dad, do stars visit their friends? Look! The faculty at HCC represents the best of the city. They're committed to getting our students to their goals. A four-year degree. Workforce training. A better life. HCC. For everyone, anytime, any way. Welcome back to the topic on HCC TV. Todd Duplantis here, and we're talking to our fine members of our fine arts program here at HCC. Glad to have you with us on the show. By the way, if you want to listen to the audio versions of this podcast, maybe out while you're jogging or something, well, you can download them at hccs.edu slash podcast. All the shows listed on there. As mentioned, we're talking to our fine arts program. We've got David Sharma, adjunct professor in audio recording technology. He's going to be talking to us about bringing his professional experience into the classroom. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, glad to be here. David, now you're a TEDx presenter, a percussionist, a producer, and an educator. When do you have time to do everything? Well, since March, we've got a lot of time to do everything because <laughs> there's nothing else happening outside of there. Uh, but yeah, the, the balancing act of being a professional musician in this day and age is very few people just do one thing. And everybody I know is performing and recording and teaching and touring and doing everything else. Here's a question I'm just kind of wondering out of the ballpark here. Um, are students coming to you now and saying, hey, look, I want to do some recording with other individuals across the web, but I want a program that takes away the delay 
uh, can you help me with that? Or do you have, have you had people coming to you wanting to do something about the fact that we're all working remotely and we still maybe we want to record with each other? I've had some, and there's not really a lot of good real time, um, just because everyone has different setups and the way the math works, there's not a bunch of good real time ways to collaborate, sadly. That doesn't mean that you can't do it like a game of telephone. You know, you record something, you send it to someone else, they record on top of it, it goes yeah. out and it comes back. Well, it's still much better than the days of when you used to have to take a tape and physically mail it to someone. Oh, yes. uh, you know, you hear about bands that hated each other, like the Eagles, and they were doing that for years. Man, that's how I guess they got, they phoned it in. So they, they kind of got it that way. Let me ask you about this. Being a musician, do you have memorable gigs that you can bring the experience into the classroom as well? Oh, yes. Many, many of them. I've earned my 10,000 hours and then some. And uh, what's sort of fun is that I think for everyone, the gigs that I remember, if something goes perfectly well, you don't really remember it. But the ones that have, you know, absolute tragedies happen make for both fun stories and also good shareable learning experiences because you got to make do when something happens. For someone who's interested in audio technology recording um, into this program, what are some of the highlights you would give them as to how they could take this, uh, what they learn at HCC, and turn it into a practical career for themselves? Well, number one, it's a very, very broad career. It spans everything from doing broadcast work and broadcast audio on to doing, obviously, recording and live sound productions. But music production uh, and all the arms of music producing, I have friends who are simply vocal editors. They don't write music, they just edit other people's vocals, and that's a full-on career. Uh, so you need to have experience in all those avenues, and what we have at HCC is a tremendous resource available in our, our facilities are just tremendous. I'm reading here in my notes, maybe you can tell us a bit about a program that you're a beta tester for, mm -hmm. Ableton Live. What is that and how are you using this program? Sure. Ableton Live is a piece of software made by a company in Germany called Ableton, and it really bridges the gap between standard recording technology, so it acts as the center of recording studio, but it also is a performance tool. Uh, so you can use it, and I've used it for years, to perform music live or to augment a live performance. Uh, and it's extremely uh, expandable and customizable. So it's a really wonderful tool for creating music and performing music. You know, another thing too, being a musician, maybe you can answer this question. It just amazes me because it seems like musicians right now are releasing albums they've been doing during the, the lockdown because they've had so much spare time. I mean, realistically, we've got everything we need in a computer to create that studio sound. I mean, Paul McCartney's about to release McCartney 3 where he played every instrument on the album. He hasn't done one of those in like 40 years. But are, are we seeing more of that now because the technology is so uh, accessible for everyone? It's interesting. The, the accessibility of technology is fantastic. You know, like what, what would cost you nearly a million dollars worth of gear 20 years ago can now be had for a smallest fraction of that just on a laptop. So I think that's great. You know, the, the democratization of the process is fantastic. Um, What's happening now is it's sort of uncharted territory in a way that everything is online and streaming and how you monetize that and make a career out of that is way up in the air. Well, that's been a question for years because even though with the advent of um, iTunes, um, there are musicians out there that still aren't making the proper amount, or at least they say, from uh, putting uh, their, their stuff out there on the internet. It's tough. You know, 10 years ago, we were talking about how to monetize downloads. And now we're talking about how to monetize streams. And it's, uh, it gets more and more available for people to hear your music, but it is very hard to 
find a consistent way to make that work since the technology landscape is always changing. It's certainly doable, but uh, it's, it's you know, a different conversation than it was 10 years ago. Are students coming in now because technology is so accessible through a laptop and in tutorials on, on the internet, are students coming to you now more educated than, than say in the past uh, 10 years or so? Yeah, I mean, students, freshmen now come in not just being curious about it, they come in now with a body of work that they've already produced and they go from just wanting to know about it to students now just wanna get better at what they're already doing which is a pretty great place to be starting from. Are your programs mainly certifications? Do you have the two-year programs? And can you go further with a stackable degree from your program? There's a couple certificates I know, like the course that I'm teaching now is the capstone course in the electronic music production certificate. And I believe there are others as well. Yeah, it grows and grows in and of itself. Again, the, the lines between who is an audio recording technologist and uh, who is a musician is very, very blurry right now. So if you're coming from this as a musician and you want to make professional sounding records for yourself, not only is the technology there to do it, we can give you the skills that you can just hit the ground running. Are you finding more students are wanting to produce their own music as opposed to bringing in an outside producer? I mean, they're learning how to do it all on their own. Are they t looking to take that step? Yeah, for sure. The most driven ones are doing it whether or not we're asking for them to do it. And it's been a... Uh, We've definitely been a pipeline for supplying local studios with interns who are just well-versed and have a great work ethic as well. But yeah, they come in wanting to make music and can come out the door flying with that. Well, that was going to be my next question. Internships, it sounds like you do have a few studios, at least in town, that you can supply students to to get more experience because that internship is very, I would imagine in this, very important. Yeah, well, connections in general are, are just, you know, socializing even is important. But an internship historically in recording you get in on the ground floor, you, you're literally mopping the floors on the graveyard shift and you just work your way up. Yeah, so many of those stories start that way. David Sharma, adjunct professor in audio recording technology here at Houston Community College. Thanks for being here with us today. And we hope you learned a bit about our fine arts program. If you'd like to learn more about them, we'll have the link in the social media post for this show so you can explore uh, the, the fine arts program here at Houston Community College. Thanks for joining me here on the topic. I'm Todd Duplantis, we'll see you again next week.